McFarland. McFarland, baseball season's upon us. We have actually have games that we have watched. We have watched them in person, both myself and Coop. You have watched the people. Game. People didn't think we'd get here. No, no. I mean, there were doubters during the, the labor strife. After, after the first four games, some people like our good friends, Emerson Lazio is, is screaming and yelling, saying, bring back labor strife. Yeah, he's <laughs> arguing for the players to get more money now. Yes, exactly. But thanks to McFarland uh, for once again being the launching pad for another great podcast. Uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz going on. And, uh, and so we're going to keep the momentum going. And what we want to do today, Coop, is we, having watched a little bit of baseball, a little bit of baseball in the first week. Just four that, games. Well, yeah, I mean, four, five, six, whoever, whatever you're listening to this, whatever. Yep. Soaking in baseball. And having, having soaked in baseball and consumed baseball, like w- particularly with the Red Sox, what are some of the things that we have seen that maybe we said, well, what, 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 huh? That maybe took us by surprise. And there's a couple things, which I'm going to, spoiler alert, I'm going to get to because there are interviews on this podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Listen, this is your, I know this is my present to you once again, geeking it out. It's just these, these couple guys geek it out, right? Hey, if I can't be there, I'm glad that you're asking the questions I would want to ask. Would you? Okay. Well, we'll yeah, that's like, I mean, like, I want to hear about, you know, well, certain pitchers. Okay, okay. Well, here's what. That's one clue. All right. Well, here, that was, it was a short lived clue because what I'm going to say, the two things, two of the things that we did not expect to see, or at least caught us by surprise a little bit, a little bit, not a lot. Just a, a tad. Bit. Just a town enough, a smidge. enough to go down and talk to these guys and say, hey, what's up with that? Which is the glorious thing about covering baseball right now. I don't have to set up a Zoom call for two weeks down the road and have someone say this. So, or so I have some to ask somebody something. So the two things are, number one, Austin Davis is fastball. Boom. Austin Davis, big fudge is fastball. It's there. It's there. Where's what would be weird? I don't know, but I hope it stays. Honestly, I mean, he kind of. I mean, if you want to know, you got to keep listening. Okay, so there we go. That's a tease. That's I, a tease I, I for you. Down with Big Fudge, Austin Davis, and I say to him, I say, "Your fastball is faster. Please explain." There you go. All right. The second one, Rich Hill has a new pitch. Rich Hill, forty, like. Eight-year-old Rich Hill, one-upping Tom Brady. Yes, the next do it. The baseball version of Tom Brady. So he has a new pitch, a pitch that he hasn't thrown since 2007. Were you even born in 2007, Coop? I was around. I was around to be disappointed. I think that was the year I was first disappointed by sports, like legitimately mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Well, that well, I think what it was. You know what? It was a double disappointment for you. Because you said, I'm sad the Patriots lost. And whatever happened to Rich Hill's cutter? Why did he Yeah, why, where? You know what, though? The Red Sox have won three World Series since it disappeared. So, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a good thing. Well, we'll see. But as Rich Hill explains in, the, in the, our interview, he said, listen, you know, adapt or die. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I've heard it once or twice. Like a little sand- guy from England, little guy from England that sailed to the Galapagos. I think he said something oh, like that. Oh, Master and Commander? What? 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 Yes. No. no. No, not him. All right. 
Well, anyway, Rich Hill is the master and commander of the cutter now, and he's going to explain uh, why he did this and why he's actually throwing it. It's not like one of these pitches like Tanner Houck when he came up. He's like, I got the split finger, and I've been working it down the alternate site, and he comes up and he never throws it. Like, yep. Rich Hill said, no, 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 no. He's like, I'm, you're going to see it. I'm t- uh, you're going to see it. Like, this isn't this is an eyewash. So we have those two. So before we before we get to other things that we have so have surprised us, let's get to these two interviews. The first one is, as I said, I want here. I'm setting the scene, Coop. Ready? All right. Um, paint me a picture. I'm, Be my Bob Ross. I'm. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> Save that one. Uh, there you go. So. I see a young gentleman sitting in the clubhouse. His name is Austin Davis. They call him Big Fudge. He's just sitting there. I'm familiar. And I, and I said to him, hey, Mr. Davis, what, what's going on? I've been watching your spring training games. I don't know if you know this. I'm a pretty big deal. I bring an AM radio back, and I've been calling these spring training games. I've been noticing that your fastball is faster than ever. Why is that the case? Well, this is what he said. Velocities up, uptick a little bit. Um, I think this offseason I spent more time outside throwing, long tossing. Uh, when Robles and I came over last year, we started playing catch together, and he loves the long toss. And I've, I've enjoyed it too, but sometimes guys like to play catch a little bit shorter, and so it's a little more like pulling teeth, trying to get guys a long toss with you. But he, him and I pretty much synced up. Right away. One on, yeah, yeah. Hey, we both want a long toss every day and get our arm in shape. And so I kind of had an uptake in velocity towards the end of the year throwing with him every day. And so went to the offseason, found a throwing partner who wanted to do the same thing. And so we long tossed most days once we started to build up. And then um, that just help the arm be in shape, body moving quick, mechanics stay in line because you know, you're long tossing 300 feet or whatever. If you're out of whack, it's going to be real off by the time it gets out there. So I think doing that helped the velocity have a, a lower floor. So then once you, you get the floor a little bit higher, you know, 94, 95 is your lows, then you can start to creep up the peak numbers that everyone likes to see and look good. But I think just dialing in that range in the mid, mid-90s, mm. You'll start to peak out in upper 90s, but I think that'll help me be successful. But um, all I have to say, yeah, I I came with the intention of wanting to have a more mid-90s fastball and not a low to mid. So is that something you did right away? Like with with Hansel, obviously you guys came over together at the same time. And not only is it something you did right away, but it's something you saw, oh, wait, this is working. Because I, 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 if I remember right, your velocity sort of ticked up as it went along, too. Yeah, so it's something that I know helps me mechanically. Uh, long tossing, like I said, you get out for the distance. Everything needs to be on time. You need to accelerate a little bit more linearly. Because at 90 feet, if you're falling off, you can cheat it to the chest sometimes. But mm-hmm. at 300 feet, you can't really cheat it. So I think getting the mechanics under control and being on time, I knew I was strong enough to throw harder, but I think some of these deficiencies were keeping me from being able to do that. So committing a long toss with him last year during the season helped velocity increase and in zone percentage and competitive pitches increase. And then just having a full off season of doing that, I think put me in a good spot. So. How, how far have you come with your velocity? In other words, you know, when you first came, became into the majors, what was your fastball like? I think it was, it was fairly similar, but I think I had more variance day-to-day. So I would still have some days where I'd peak out at 
you know, somewhere in the mid to upper 90s range, never like 98, 99 or anything, but, you know, mid-90s fastball. But I would have days where I was 90, 91, 92 if mechanics were off or I was a little fatigued or something. And I think, like I said, this this long toss with Robles and in the offseason, ideally will keep the floor a little bit higher so that on my worst days I'm still 93, 94 and just popping some fives and sixes and sevens and then on my best days I'm sitting six and seven and hopefully touching a little bit higher but um, the velocity is great but it's more about the consistent drive through the zone I think I've had more um, clean movement based off the analytics but also just watching hitters swinging and stuff it's just a more straight fastball would stick to the zone uh, more more often than not instead of these big uncompetitive arm side misses so. has, has there been anything about like you talk about all this stuff has there anything about the Red Sox organization what they did because this is like the narrative of baseball right yeah. we see this guy and if we just do this or we do that or we do this yeah. and I know the long time is part of it but from the Red Sox being in this organization has there been anything where like you think you're going to look back and say that was a difference maker being with the, that organization yeah well there's a ton of things one I think Bush, Walk, and Jeb and the analytics team do a really good job of understanding you, having conversations with you, and simplifying the game in a way that actually makes sense. So when you have a bad performance, there's so many things that you can think went wrong. Mechanically, pitch selection, pitch profile, do I need to change this or that thing? And they're really good at keeping those like just cutting out all the fluff like hey no this is who you are this is the best version of you uh, we really believe in that and we think that you can be successful with this stuff now here are some things so for me last year timing was a big issue a lot of times i'd be halfway down the mound and i'm already falling behind i'm late my hand is late and so bushy talked to me and said hey let's figure out a way for you to be on time spend some time tonight thinking about it we'll talk tomorrow and i thought that just that conversation itself is huge for me because it gave me 12 16 hours to think about it digest it myself and then we came back and had a conversation the next day came up with an adjustment on some timing stuff with my hands and then i felt comfortable with it he felt comfortable with it and it was a great conversation and i think a lot of times with a pitching coach they come in and say hey this is wrong you need to change this do this and you haven't really taken any ownership in it so i just think <clears throat> there's they're just extremely elite on giving you ownership and direction and like mutuality like doing things together um and it's it's really subtle but it's really good and i think ac is really good at that the whole like vibe here is very much like we're here to do everything we can to help be successful the training staff um, the way that they work on you like i feel fresh every day i feel strong every day mm -hmm. so you take the long toss what they're doing for us to keep us fresh every day the confidence the coaching gives you and it's just like these all these small things kind of stack up on top of each other so there's no secret formula it's just they take every aspect of baseball they care a lot about each one of them and there's no holes and i think that just it's like the flywheel effect it's just like so these small little things they get rolling and then you just can't stop that momentum from the outside looking in i would go back to like what you were first traded for right so you're traded for and then i think your first outings were at toronto detroit and you were basically, you know, you were sent to the, it was no fault of anybody, but you were sent to the Wolves, like you had to throw over 40 pitches, and like, oh man, you know, this guy you just traded for, now he's the guy coming in, throwing over 40 pitches and everything else, and then, I don't know if like, 
after going through, if they were good about communicating, say, listen, this is not representative of how we view you and what your role is going to be. And as it turned out, it wasn't. You know, you went on to good things. But that time must have been a little weird. Uh, yeah, no, so my very first outing was in Tampa, and I came in, faced a couple lefties, That's which right. is, um, you know, what I like to do. And then uh, after that, it was those outings that were longer and 40 pitches. Usually when you throw 40 pitches, it's your fault, not the coach's fault. So, <laughs> you know, you're walking, guys, you have a lot of big counts. But, um, yeah, there was plenty of communication on, hey, this is the ideal so at the same time. You only have eight, nine guys in the bullpen, and you need to compete and be ready to go every day. And so um, I didn't think it was too weird. I, you know, different times in my career, I, I have thrown. You know, but there was a reason they traded for you. I mean, that and that. I mean, I, I, I would imagine they wanted to pound that even throughout that ups and downs of the rolls and every that first week. Like, there's a reason we traded for you. This is what we see to go back to. This is what we think you can be. Yeah. And then, like, obviously, it became what they thought you could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, Bushy and AC and Walk and everyone, they're really good at um, communication just in general. And so, yeah, there was times where I was throwing innings where it's, hey, the matchup isn't as important as we need you to go out there and compete and do it the best you can. And then from then on, there was most of the outings I went was this is the most ideal matchup for you and like I said over the course of a season you just have times where the bullpen is a little more taxed and you got to take on some of that which I love bringing value by doing that because if I can do that then the next guy doesn't have to and he can stay in a matchup that's more ideal uh, and then yeah and then the rest of the season it was every ideal was as match as every matchup was as ideal as it could be for me which put me in a great position to be successful right. what was the and the last thing is like what was the the it bat that you're like there it is there it is like that the what that that was like okay you know it all come to and maybe it was even in spring training like the last few weeks I don't know yeah. was it was one does one jump to mind where it like has all come together yeah they're like okay you know this is this is yeah basically how it all came together yeah uh, I don't know I don't think I really thought about it like that I think in my opinion, I have the ability to be one of the best, if not the best, left-handed reliever in baseball. I think everyone probably thinks that about themselves. I know I have not done that. And so I think each day I'm trying to make every single pitch that I have more elite. So I'm trying to make my fastball more elite, trying to make my slider more elite, trying to make my changeup more elite, and eventually the results will follow. So I don't think... If I, it's like it's like each level. You hit double A and you, you're looking to triple A. You hit triple A, you're looking to the big leagues. You make it to the big leagues, you're trying to stay. You're trying to be an all-star, you're trying to be a Hall of Famer. And so like it just keeps going uh, in a good way. And so I think where I'm at right now, I don't think I've even considered a moment where it's like, okay, this has all come together. I think I have the ability to be successful against any hitter in the big leagues. Um, and I think just spending time here... Uh, that's new to me. I think there's times where I would say that, but I don't know if I truly believe it. Now I truly believe I can get any hitter out with any of my pitches. Uh, and so I'm really thankful to be here because of that. Because uh, I think without being here and without the veteran presence of guys like Robles and Ottavino last year and Barnes and these guys to help you, um, I don't think I would be as good as I am right now. So I'm grateful to them. But we're just going to keep going and try and get better and better. All right. Real quick, your takeaways, Coop, from Big Fudge and his explanation. Uh, well, first of all, I can't stop thinking about the fact that you referred to it, him going down to him as Mr. Davis. Well, or, that was, or, I, I've been or, sitting here waiting to say that, or, Mr. Davis. Or as Garrett Whitlock would call him, Mr. Austin. 
Mr. Austin? Well, because he called High Bloom Mr. High. That's true. That I, that was awesome. I what a guy. What a guy, Garrett what a Whitlock. Guy. What a guy. But our guy right now, Austin Davis, one of my favorite things that he brought up was consistent drive through the zone. Ooh. And that's what yeah, that's a quote that I just pulled. Big J Journal going around here. But what he was referring to was just trying to make sure that what that ball that he releases from his hand is going to be staying the same like velo all the way to the catcher's mitt. And the way he was doing that, talking to Robles, doing that long toss, stretching it out. If you're a young guy, stretch out the arm. Don't like sit there for like 20 minutes, just throwing like curve balls back and forth. Like idiots stretch out the arm. I mean, I don't. I hope your girlfriend is near you because what you just said must be the biggest aphrodisiac of all time. Like, really, really, is base making baseball down, sexual? You breaking down the, the the delivery, the fastball delivery of Austin Davis. Boom, staying through the zone. This is good vocab. We had SAT words in there. There it is. That, that's what the ladies like. The ladies like SAT words. You expand that vernacular, you're good. It's science. Um, science. So uh, I, 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 on two things. Let's hear your takeaway. Two things. Two. Number number one, you can't, one of life's lessons, you cannot go wrong playing long toss with Hansel Robles. When when in doubt, play long toss with Hansel Robles. Is this from life experience? Have you done this before? Is this just like what you hear through the group? Now I want to. I I want to. I'm feeling a little blue today. I'm feeling a little down. Hey, where's Hansel Robles? I want to play some long toss. Quick, quick long toss. Because evidently this cures everything. So that was sincerely, it was like, it was interesting to me that like the the art, I thought for sure that's where you were going. The art of the long toss, how that translated. Oh my. Really? That you're shocked. You know that I like to break stuff down. I know, but the lot, like, oh my goodness, like, let's go. Some good long I mean, that's fun. It's fun stuff. You can take away stuff from that. Do you want my other fun thing? Okay, yeah, we'll alternate. Go ahead. Because uh, all right, oh no, 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 you, you oh, go no, ahead, no, you go ahead. No, 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 no. you sir, no, you sir. Drive, drive through, hey, Mister, drive through the zone. Go. Go. All right. So the other thing is his infatuation with the analytics department. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that was great because I kind of tied it back to when we talked to Matt Barnes. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go do that. Go meet Callie the dog. But Matt talked about how green the grass was here. I believe that's the phrase he used. Yes. It's and, and yep. And he didn't really dive into it too much. And fans, honestly, like meatball fan, like myself, I was just like, well, he likes it here. Cause we're great fans and we treat him right. <laughs> Probably further, furthest thing from the truth. But uh, Austin Davis here, he kind of dives into how the front office really treats their guys and not just like making sure they're taken care of, but also making sure their game is taken care of. And you hear that when he's talking about, hey, they're going to pull me in after an outing. They're going to break down everything that they saw. They're not going to give me instructions right away. Because what what did he say that was the, like the key thing there, Rob? Uh, communication. Communication and accountability. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. Okay. Uh, my other thing is that he, I don't, did he say he wants to be considered or he's already considering himself? as one of the best lefties in the game. So that was, that was like a very strange philosophy. Well, it was, well, it was, it was because like, he, he, no, his philosophy was that he could strike out anyone. Right. So I felt like, you know, in the, whatever, 11, 12 minutes he was talking, it was all like building up 
to this sort of motivational speech at the end, which was, you know, like, I am the greatest. Anybody, I'm, I want to be one of the best lefties in the game. And listen, I'm, and you know who else, by the way, this is going to be a segue. Okay. Are you going to do for a segue expertly from, from Austin Davis? Not that they should have just been left in 2010. All right. All right. So in that, in that exact locker room, not that exact locker room, but the exact locker room in Yankee Stadium, that would have been uh, seven years before, six and a half years before. Rich Hill went on that run where he, he was with the Red Sox. He starts four games in September, right? Yeah. His last one is at Yankee Stadium. So in that locker room, after that game, I interview Rich Hill, and this guy, it's the same sort of demeanor as Austin Davis, which is like really nice guy, you know, introspective and everything else. And then boom, out of nowhere, says Rich Hill basically said, there's no one I can't get out. I can get anyone out. I can, I can obviously like dominate this division. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm sort of like, oh my, where did this come from? And I kind of like, like that's what Austin Davis was doing. And coincidentally, Rich Hill was in that locker room. And coincidentally, Rich Hill's the next guy that we're going to talk about. So here's Rich Hill. Oh, what a transition. You said the cutter. Like, is that something you've thrown much? I threw, I threw it a long time ago. Um, I just kind of got away from it. But I think, you know, obviously with things starting to, velocity starts to decrease a little bit. And, you know, as the, as the curveball doesn't really, it's not as, if you want to say sharp as it used to be. Um, but it, it's showing consistent spin. Um, which is good where, you know, it's been basically where I've been before, but at the same time to have another weapon to be able to offset it when, you know, you're not, you're going to have days where you don't have your best stuff and I'm not, I'm not uh, immune to the aging process. So I know it's <laughs> something that, you know. What, what did someone, did someone suggest that or was that? Uh, we had talked about, you know, change up and a cutter in the beginning of spring training. And then I just felt like, you know, the, the cutter, I had thrown a couple change ups the last game. I just, it just never, I've never really been a, it, I'm a big feel guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I don't have like the feel for that, for that pitch on that day, um, you know, it's, 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 a, I, I have a better time of having, um, or an, you know, the cutter is much more natural than than the changeup. How many did you throw today? Cutters? Yeah. I don't I'm not 100% sure offhand, but yeah. I'd say it was over a dozen. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And you said like you used to throw it a while ago. When was that? What about uh, what year was that? 07. Oh, that long ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, consistently throw it a okay. lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, I consistently throw it back then and and um you know, with the with the fastball inside and being able to mirror those two, it's going to help. You know, with that with that uh, curveball fastball mix as well. So it's legitimately something, though. You could come out in in uh, Detroit and say, "I could throw this." Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a very good feel for it. It's yeah. not um you know something that I don't have feel for. So, uh, you know, that's that's uh, you know looking forward to just utilizing it as well as another pitch. All right. New pitch for Rich Hill. Cutter. <laughs> there you go. I mean, there it is. Not the player, not the player, but the pitch. Yeah, cutter with a C. So yeah. uh, it was funny watching. So I grabbed him. This was after. It was when me and Richard just 
hanging out. The last two people at spring training, literally. I was going to ask. So that was not to cut you off, but the entire time, because all these interviews have been, I think I said it to you at the very start, baseball ASMR. And the, the Austin Davis interview was so different than the, uh, the Rich Hill and the other interviews because like it's a different sound. You can tell you're outside. That's what I picked up. Oh, the Rich Hill one, I was outside. Were you? It sounded like you were in a clubhouse for that one. Uh, no, no. So the Austin Davis one was in the Yankees clubhouse. So, yeah. The, so did I just say the? I think I just said the reverse. Yeah. So Austin Hill was like opening Austin, day. I, I, don't Yankee, who, you know? I don't know who Austin Hill is. But Austin I Davis, keep, oh my gosh. Austin Davis was in, was in the clubhouse sitting at his locker before the first game of the year. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill was a, after he performed his last outing, which with nobody was around except me because I pushed my flight back because I'd rather spend another day in Fort Myers than rainy New York. And so I watched Rich Hill pitch against a bunch of 18-year-olds. The guy who hit the home run off of him. That was great. Yeah. February, uh, February 1st, 2004. I said, you know, that's when he was born. That makes me feel so old. And by the way, a little, a little note on watching those games. And I told the crack Red Sox PR staff uh, about this, that how, what, a great, uh, what a great journalist I was, which was, or what a responsible journalist I was. Because in that same game, our guy, Miguel Blaze, you know, everyone's talking about Miguel Blaze. The guy who got a $1.5 million signing bonus, 18-year-old from the Dominican Republic, going to be a star, He's, you know, but he's 18 years old. So he's playing yep. this game with, a, with the other 18-year-olds against Rich Hill. He comes in and he slides in the home plate and he wrenches his knee. And he's on the ground, Goop, for like uh, three minutes. Oh, my like, gosh. Now, everybody else – would have whipped out their phone and said, there's Miguel Blaze, top Red Sox prospect, writhing on the ground. You just kept walking to Rich Hill? No, I, no. I said, I'm, I want to see if he gets up and walks around. Now, if he gets carted off, okay, now I'm getting my camera up. You didn't want to go over and help him, maybe? Oh, it's a fence. Check it's, on him, make sure he's okay? It's a little league field. It was, it's still a professional setting. Do you think I, if you ran on the field to help him, like security would stop you? Yes. And okay. the empires and the like, I, just because I was the only journalist there doesn't mean yeah, I, I just want to know how people react to people helping each other. We reign in the place. Anyway, Miguel Blaze, good news for everybody. He's okay. He got up and walked around. He's okay. All right. So, but I saw Rich Hill pitch against these 18 year olds. And it's so funny because he's just like, you know, and, and, and where I am, it's, it's, it's like 30 feet away from the plate. So you get the, you've seen the videos, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you know, like these guys, these kids, these curveballs are coming in. These kids knees are just like buckling like crazy. Uh. So, um, and then he's throwing, you know, he's throwing the fastball. Like, you know, I don't know what it, but he's just, it was a pure rich Hill. It reminded me of Tim Wakefield pitching those games at, at the end. Where like these kids had no chance. I have no idea how, how it trained. It was just kind of like the lure of it that was like great. It was just like, oh, this guy is like, he's yeah. going to be remembered for a while. Right. But, like, hey, you think you're good. And well, here's this 42 year old who's coming. A better comparison. It's um like Jeter getting his last hit groove to him. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll stir that pot. All right. So, uh, so anyway, I, I talked to Rich Hill after 
and you and you hear the click clack, the clickety clack of the the cleats in the background, right? Yep. Maybe the wind blowing in my hair, like all of that. And uh, that's where I talked to him after after then. And so, um, yeah. So did we? Did I already like say this is the interview? I can't remember. I don't know. We yes, you already did. We already did like the pre and post. You had a great lead in, by the oh, way. You just got. We just got lost in like baseball ASMR, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. we wound up here. All right. All right. Well, anyway, so uh, yeah, he's throwing, so he's throwing a new pitch. There you go. Rich Hill. There we go. Um, all right. So some other things that besides the Austin Davis fastball and the Rich Hill new pitch, so some other things that have uh, made you go, ooh, I wasn't expecting that. Hmm. Getting through the first week or so of the season. Um, you can go first. And uh, the first thing I want you to do before you get into the performance of the players. Okay. What, you went to Yankee Stadium. I did. First trip. I, I tried to set the scene for you of what to expect, which I did a terrible job of because there's nothing. It's not, it's, as you know now, how do you explain it? It's just like. I'm not going to lie. I think you did a tremendous job with it. Like I there's. Did? Yeah. Because there wasn't much. Right. It's just. A and, and this. This isn't this isn't Red Sox fan me like with my like Fenway bias like you I, you go to Nationals Park and I would say that's like a comparable like modern ballpark stadium to Yankee Stadium and like there's actually like a bit of like character to it you go to Yankee Stadium and like maybe the character is off putting to me because it's Yankee related. But there's like nothing to it. You walk around, every view in that whole park is almost the exact same. Like everything is so cookie cutter and corporate. Well, it's just like it's unappealing. Yeah, it's 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 mammoth. I mean, it's it's huge. And the, what's weird that it was built right next to the other Yankee Stadium, and it's basically the same thing but bigger. And it's it it gets loud. Oh yeah, that, I mean, that Saturday game was like. It, I mean, it was a Saturday afternoon game. But there were moments where when they hit, Stanton hit his home run and like the place really just like rocks. Really good. So I, I give them that. You didn't park, but really good parking. And I know you're not a big fan of the subway system, but, oh my you know. All right. So anyway, I don't want to get into the subway system. All right. So um, what do you got? What do you got? What what made you go? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to have to say seeing Bobby really put, when we talked to Bobby earlier, he talked about changing his swing up a little bit and his two strike approach and really getting to see that whole evolution of his swing really take success early on. He had that home run uh, last night. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, it was two days ago. Sunday night. I mean, yeah, Sunday night We do a little time traveling sometimes, but uh, it was nice to see him kind of, Start the season off right. He's a guy that struggled a little bit last season, uh, especially towards the end. Um, he's someone that I want to see be successful. I, I, I like homegrown guys. I like guys that come up in the system and embrace the team. So I know Tristan Cassis, his big old shadow, is starting to cast over Dahlbeck. So I'm sure he's thinking about that. So it's nice to see something good happen there. Okay, good enough. My turn. Uh, Let's hear I, told it. You, I told you Rafael Devers was going to be good defensively. You did. You didn't lie. No. The things that I was right about. You were spot on. No, I mean, listen, everybody was, it is such so weird to, to say about spring training and like not overreact. You say every year, but everybody does. 
everyone's like, oh, my goodness, the bullpen's a disaster. Or Jake Diekman, you know, is uh, even after the first game, a disaster. And then he strikes out the side in the middle of the order. Um, but I'll say that the Devers is I wanted to see it in the season. It doesn't matter. He was good in spring training. I want to see it in the season. And you can, you can tell, right? I mean, you he's can proving tell. it right now. Yeah, I mean, he playing with much more confidence defensively. I mean, he just is. And then that that's the big thing. It's not just about the fact that, you know, as we sit here, he hasn't made any errors all through us from training or the first few games. It's it's that you you he's had every type of opportunity, every type of chance. And he's he's and he's playing with a ton of confidence. Um, another one which I think I was semi right about was our good friends, friend of the show. Matt Throm. Ah, big friend of the program. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy who single-handedly made us the most popular podcast in North Dakota, um, he's legit. Like, he, you could see it. You could see it in spring training. You could hear it in his voice talking. You could, and, and he's, he's going to be legit, I think. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited from what I saw from him. Uh, I know talking with some of my friends, uh, they were very excited to see the velocity that he was putting out there because they were kind of not sold on that whole one spring train or pre-spring training uh, session that he threw. So to see him, you know, really pumping it up there and having control that he does yeah, the have. One that was on TV. Was it on TV that throwing session that he had? Oh, the oh the throwing session. I don't know. Yeah, the pre-spring training throwing session that he did. Oh, the one that you get the contract? That he, yeah, that he got the Brinks truck with? No, they weren't there. That's what I'm saying. They didn't get to see, the, like, we, we all heard how That's great it of his life. I, I know. I'm saying they, they were waiting to see the best bullpen, like, come into the game. Okay. And, and getting to see that in action and kind of see what Heim was really looking at, it's nice to see. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Is there anything else that has, like, made you say, oh, okay. Um, you know, Deekman, Deekman Sunday night. That was huge. That was to me. That was massive. That was out of nowhere. Like that was completely out of nowhere. And this is, you know, I can't count how many times I've done this with Cora, especially going through the 2018 playoffs. We're like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And in that case, and this is going to go back. If you listen to this, like on Thursday, go back to Sunday, the Sunday night game. And I, this is I, I know. We saw in the first game. Hansel Robles can be on the team for one thing. It's to pitch Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan. Just those matchups. Heading into the opener, they were two for 18 against them with nine strikeouts. All right? So they do that the first game. Then in the Sunday's game, here it comes. It's set up for that. Now, he brings Robles in in the eighth. So Judge isn't even up yet. But Judge is going to be up. The next inning. So I'm like, hey, you know what? This is this is perfect. This is Cora planning for future Cora. Yeah. Well, this is listen, you have you have Robles, who didn't throw a lot of pitches in the eighth. And I know that everyone is listening back to loving micromanaging this Sunday night game, but I don't care. But you have Robles, you who didn't pitch a lot, throw a lot of pitches. He can come out, face judge, face Stanton, then Deekman, who's warming up. Face the lefty Gallo, boom, boom, boom. But no, what does Cora do? He brings in Diekman, the guy who looked the worst of any reliever in the first couple games. He brings him in, and next thing you know, the guy is like making history. 
right? I mean, all time, all time battle with Judge there. That was awesome. Yeah, and and this is a guy who couldn't find his slider for all spring training. Didn't look good in the opener, and and, they, and out of nowhere, the kid from Nebraska, the Cornhusker, the guy who's married to Miss Nebraska. It's the, the Middle America pitchers this series. Oh, like like there's something to be said. Everyone knows that when you train in the cold of Nebraska, it doesn't kick in until the second game. That is science right there. Science. Science. So, yeah, Diekman was a shock. But the last thing I want to talk to you about is the aforementioned Sunday night game. Kike Hernandez is mic'd up, right? Okay? Much like you are mic'd up right now. So, Kike Hernandez is mic'd up in the middle of a game in the middle of a close game, in the middle of a close game at Yankee Stadium, in the middle of a close game at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees, right? Yep. And Focus in, right? He's 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 chopping it up with Eduardo Perez and Carl Ravitch, and I think David Cohen was there. Was there. I'm not sure because I he barely talked. But all those guys. Wow. I mean, well, it's true. I mean, right? Yep. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, you're not lying. Like this is. A, I actually like that booth. I love Eduardo Perez. I think he's awesome. That booth is, I can tell you right now, that Sunday night booth has been better yeah. than what it was in the past. It's like a little bit of a mismatch. Or, I don't know if he fits. i tell you what is not a good fit. Holy mackerel. Is A-Rod? The Michael K. A-Rod thing. <laughs> I, I didn't even watch a second of it. Well, neither did I. I only saw the clips of it. But, you know, then I saw the clips of it, and I'm literally thinking, what were they thinking? Like, who thought this was a good idea? Like, the premise is a good idea, but you know what you do? This is what you do. You get the Cespedes BBQ guys. You get the... You, you get, get young people in there, you, you mean? You get, you get the pitching ninja in there, right? You get those guys in there, not Michael K and A-Rod. Or at least, like, I mean, like, A-Rod and Michael K for a Red Sox-Yankee series. Uh, no, I don't, like, if you're going to... I, I'll be honest, I do care about that because in the back of my head, all I'm thinking about is like, oh, A-Rod kind of All right, so, when they, so what's the next game? Uh, it's um, Who's playing that? With the uh, it's Atlanta because I know Ozzy Alba's got nominated. Yeah, somebody. Like, I, it, guess what? But it that's the thing. Have, have someone from Atlanta, have someone from better. the other fan it base. It won't be any better. It won't be any better. And like, like yeah, the, the idea, as we know from the Manning cast, it's a good idea. You know, bringing in passing and him making fun of Michael K and everything else and getting a little loose with it, that's good. But have, like, how awesome, how awesome, would, what a missed opportunity this is to not bring in Pitching Ninja for this. I mean, Yes Network is doing that with the John Boyd team. All right, let's go. Smart. It's smart. I know. Bring in your internet people. Right, bring in the internet people. All right, so um, yay or nay for Kiki being mic'd up? Yay. Okay. This, despite it being like a terrible situation, and, and like as a Red Sox fan, you shouldn't like it. Everything like should like really like piss you off about it. You're, why is my player not like his full attention on that field? Well, guess what? Like any player in that situation, like there's downtime in baseball. They're going to be looking around. They're going to be chatting with guys that are like the right fielder or left fielder. They're going to be looking like you had that moment with Verdugo last year in between innings chatting with the Yankee fans. Like that's the stuff that like mic'd up moments should be getting because it makes baseball less boring. Yes, boring. All right. There you go. Uh, okay. I was about to drop it. You, you can't. 
I expect, I kind of expected all, all your clothes to fly off and you just be sitting there with a TV. Basically, I mean, like, it's hanging up right there. Yeah. Like, I mean, you I, barely I, see I, it. <laughs> yeah, it's like type 8 font, but it's there. I made the attempt this uh, time. Hey, listen, spoiler. Listen, to, it's in the works. Here we go. Chicago, big event. Chicago? Ooh. Big event. Um, but I, uh, so this is my thoughts. As I tweeted, it's uncomfortable yet entertaining. And it's uncomfortable because the heart of me wants to say, pay attention to the game. What are you doing? Quick goofing around. Because, you know, he's trying to, like, whether they admit or not, he's trying to sort of entertain. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he knows he's on the stage and and doing all that. Okay. But, and I think Red Sox fans more than anyone, they're the ones that are screaming and saying, pay attention to the game. But everybody else is saying exactly what you said, which is, hey, you know what? You're, That's you're, entertaining. Like it's that is, and and Coop, what it comes back to, especially in our world where yep. we're making millions of dollars off the phrase "baseball isn't boring," right? Just hand over fist, hand over fist. That that we can't be hypocrites about this, right? We can't no. be hypocrites about it. And this is this is what we're talking about. About you know. This is a step in the right direction. It just is. It, I, it, listen, even as a Red Sox fan myself, I'm watching that and you can you can tell Kike gets frustrated. Like they make a comment right after like where two hits in a row and, and two hits where he has to hustle and like be integral, like integral in that play. And of course, he's going to let out a little bit of frustration there. And that's what I love to see. I'd love to see like this guy kind of like, be lost in that moment of the game and then snap back into it and just be like, all right, we're on to the next play. I got to see what's up with uh, Verdugo over there. I got to see what's Jackie's like doing over in the uh, right. So it, you see like the whole mental process that goes into each play in baseball. Okay. In synopsis, cause I get going. Don't do it in the playoffs. Just don't do the remote. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't that won't fly. That's supposed to playoffs are supposed to be like interesting enough. You don't shouldn't have to entertain. All right, good podcast, much better than I thought it would be. So uh, yeah, good job. Thank you.